Autobots, transform and roll out! folks welcome back to the second episode of two mics too furious it's two episodes too furious i guess uh my name is mike seibert and joining me is the other titular mike michael andrews uh, uh thanks for thanks for being my buddy buddy yeah no problem you know along with that are we coming off furious enough i feel like we're not living up to the are, are we supposed to be like more angry, more fired up. We're we're really in a good mood. We really enjoy talking to each other. Maybe we need well, to put on some angry hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put on some angry eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So real briefly, I didn't think we were going to talk about this this too early, but very briefly, the the story of why this show is called Two Two Mics Two Furious is one. There's two mics. Uh, one of us goes by Mike. The other one is Michael Andrews. But more or less, I'm not great at naming stuff. And it was <laughs> it was a gag that came out from an episode of Autopod Decepticast, uh, a another Transformers recap show they started off doing the 1986 transformers the movie and have now since moved into the g1 series recaps and they're they're uh they're hip deep in season three by now so uh, uh check out their show they they are friends of ours and this is kind of like a a weird spiritual spin-off of their show we wanted to do something different we're, we're fans of theirs we're friends of theirs but they they said something on one of their episodes several years ago like man there's just too many mics too many mics too many mics that's right <laughs> and, and that's where it all, all all came from and then you had said something on twitter something to the effect of like you know what me and mike cybert should just start our own podcast and yeah. you know i was uh, i was channeling my bender from uh, futurama of like in fact let's start our own podcast and and then that so you know and we we made a bunch of jokes and i i said something about hashtag two mics too furious because that that's my thing that that is always my go-to of dumb titles because too fast too furious is probably like the most ridiculously awesome movie title oh, in the history but yeah ever. i also love it let's be clear about that. oh yeah no and, and and it's and it's an underrated movie too it's like in in that franchise in that series give it another look tyrese is terrific in that movie uh you get some good paul walker and it's not weighed down by the the uh incredible weight of vin diesel Right, it's right. It's, it's a it's a fun little movie, actually. Give it a, give it another go. But anyway, like so, for some reason, that was always rattling in my head. You know, the, this two mics, two furious thing. Uh, so that that was like in like I don't know what was it June, July of 2019 or something like that. Coming yeah. on like four years now. It's like this is th this has been a a long gestating project, and and um, then basically, uh, COVID happened, and then lockdowns happened, and I I had this I I was in a creative funk and wanted to uh do something different. I wanted to do something collaboratively with somebody I could work with in a remote space and um for all of the reasons uh that that was uh 2020, 2021 and 2022 it just didn't quite get off the ground, but it was it was always something 
in the back of our minds of something we did indeed want to do to the point where I almost felt like Kevin Smith for a second, like, oh yeah, I'm working on this project, Two Mike's Too Furious. We're going to sit down and watch Transformers animated and we're going to talk about it and it's going to be great. And then just like years passed and I just... Yeah. And and I I will own here now for for folks that are maybe joining us for the first time completely my fault just like in terms of like not getting my shit together in terms of logistics and scheduling and just just not taking my own advice the advice that that I've shared on my podcast Mike Cybert Radio I always ask my guests well like well what's the advice that you want to give to uh, folks wanting to do their own artistic pursuits and like 11 out of 10 times that advice is just do it just start and yeah. um as anybody that knows anything about me you've heard me talk about that i'm great at giving advice and sharing advice just not taking the advice so <laughs> so anyway so problem I, for all of us exactly and i i just couldn't get my my rear into gear but um well mike to be fair i think you know when you put it in the context of... okay, now to be fair uh, to be fair to be fair to be fair to be fair to be fair, to be fair. To be fair i think when you put it in the context of oh my gosh it took you guys four years to do this to be fair they were four COVID years and that's like the blink of an eye to some people i mean that was a real blurry weird time for for time passing so yeah i think we get a little i think you get a little bit of a pass there i think we both do so absolutely and, and we're here now we're doing it Let's move forward absolutely so welcome for episode number two this uh we, we're gonna pick up uh right where we left off basically in our first episode we just kind of like laid some of the track laid uh laid the groundwork uh, foundational stuff for uh, Transformers Animated. Oh, I want to remind folks that I have never watched Transformers Animated before, so this is my first run-through of these episodes, and that's that's the gimmick of our show, is that I haven't seen the episodes, so I, I will be talking about them kind of as a, as a, as a newborn baby <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to these ideas and concepts, whereas my buddy Michael Andrews is very much a super fan of TFA, and has has really been eager to to revisit. So if uh, if you want to watch along with us as we recap these episodes, I'm watching on Tubi TV that free app. Michael Andrews has the, has the DVDs. So we'll we'll talk about as we go through each individual episode. Not so much today, but uh, where there might be differences and incongruities. Like for example, uh, transform and roll out the pilot ex exclamation point. Sorry, transform and roll out exclamation point. The pilot <laughs> for Transformers Animated is episodes one through three on Tubi, whereas as it was originally presented as a standalone movie that was later put out on dvd and is completely separate from the first season of transformers animated so when we get beyond this pilot it, we're, we're going to get into some numbering legislation it's like well are we talking about episode one or are we talking about episode four so right, right. so look forward to some of some of that can look forward to numbering legislation folks if there's not something that's going to make you tune back in it's numbering <laughs> <Exactly>. legislation <laughs> so in our first episode we we just kind of uh met the characters and kind of uh you know kind of discussed the the overall concept 
of TFA and I talked about why I passed on it initially, like the design aesthetic wasn't necessarily for me, but all of my friends, all of my friends have told me with like my tastes that that TFA is something that I would I would really enjoy and I'm really digging it so far. So I'm excited to continue that discussion and analysis. Uh, so Michael Andrews, why, why don't you kind of reset us? And cause like, I felt like we spent over an hour talking about the first 10 minutes. Of yeah. The, uh... I was going to say, I meant to get, a, make a little more traction with that first episode, but it, it, to, to be fair, that'll be the name of this episode. Um, there is a lot, a lot, uh, world building, story building set up for the entire series in those first 10 minutes. And I think it's not just an info dump. It's just a really incredible, uh, writing choice to get that all out there in that first 10 minutes. And I, and I wanted to do it proper justice. But yeah, you're right. We do kind of need to start moving forward <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this breakdown of the show. So just to get you up to speed from some of the stuff we talked about last time, we've established that uh, the Autobot team that we're working with is Optimus, Ratchet, Prowl, Bumblebee, and Bulkhead. And they're, they're a bunch of space grunts. They're a bunch of uh, space, space bridge team that's out there doing repairs and, and, you know, rooting through old technology, ripping out the uh, rebar, if you will, uh, space-wise. So uh, we get to meet all of them. We get to meet, uh, sort of meet, a little bit of a crew of Decepticons that have been doing some infighting for a very long time. And one thing that's important to know about this show that's different than other shows is that uh, the Decepticons have been out of the picture, seemingly extinct for a very long time. Millions of years. Millions of years. The war is over. No one even, you know, a lot of people don't even believe they ever existed. Not just yeah. the, whether or not they're still around is not even in question. But the thing that kind of brings it all back, the catalyst, is that the this space bridge team finds the AllSpark. And the AllSpark, uh, which was originally established uh, in the live action movie, is sort of like this holy relic. It's almost a little bit like uh, like a Vector Sigma uh, type type device. And it's it's been lost for several years. It was the way they ended the war. I called it a shooting the hostage situation where they just yeah. chucked it into space so that Megatron wouldn't have anything to fight over anymore. And now it's been recovered and the Decepticons are back and they know of its existence. And we see uh, Starscream. This is something we talked about was one of Mike's favorite moments is uh, Starscream gets to be the Starscream we've always wanted to see. He puts together a plan to take out Megatron and it works. Uh, he plants an explosive device on Megatron, uh, blows him up, and Megatron's head lands on Earth in a cornfield. Um, along with this, uh, Optimus and his team end up on Earth uh, they make a crash landing, which puts their uh, ship and bodies into a stasis mode for 50 years. And in those 50 years, a sort of a cyber utopia has sort of built up in in Detroit, of all places, where <laughs> where uh, a, a young boy turned scientist, Isaac Sumdak, has uh, sort of re reverse engineered the technology for Megatron to build sort of a, a utopia of of technology in detroit um this is kind of a twist on what we see in the 2007 live action movie where they sort of said you know megatron being found in the arctic um sort of is a reason why we have a lot of the technology we have today uh microwaves and all that stuff um this we're seeing is sort of put detroit on the map as like the city of the future we don't think it's indicative of the rest of the world but this one bright spot of america has become great and it's Detroit. 
it's it's very localized <laughs> and 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 I and I'm sure there will be reasons for this that that'll become apparent as we go but I do think setting it in Detroit is very interesting because traditionally Transformers has been kind of set in the vague Pacific Northwest, you know, Mount St. Hillary, which screams to me like Oregon, Washington, Idaho, you know, that, that kind of, you know, there's trees, there's mountains, there's water. It's got water. It's got water. So making it specifically Detroit, I'm not sure exactly what they're getting at yet, but I, I feel like the, the, show creators have something in mind with that with that specificity there so uh the other important thing to know is uh now we've met isaac sumdak uh we find out he has a daughter sorry sumdak she has been growing up around robots her whole life the ones that her dad invented but she's not really great around people her age she's she's just a little bit different they don't seem to like her i think sorry is very cool i don't really know what what the case is but apparently she's just not likable by the the rest of her class quote unquote yeah. Okay. So along with that, we should also now now we're getting caught up to the point in the story where uh, one of uh, Isaac Sumdak's inventions, the nanobot technology, has infected a cockroach. The cockroach uh, grows into this giant monster, and I think this is like really sort of anime trope esque. This reminds me of like Bubblegum Crisis or something, and yeah, you yeah. also have sort of like the the toku like uh godzilla sort of like monster attacking the city sort of thing it's really cool after we've seen all this sort of technology and now it's just a big cockroach attacking the city mm -hmm. but ultimately it draws the autobots out of their slumber under in down in lake erie and uh they come up to the surface they need to scan some robot modes and and because the whole or sorry some vehicle modes and because the whole city's emergency services have rallied to the cause of fighting this roach this is where we get the vehicle modes for the Autobots. And, and the, the vehicle modes are uh, a fire truck for Optimus, an ambulance for Ratchet. We know this a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, Bulkhead, we sort of have a new character here. So it's kind of interesting to see him as like an armored SWAT vehicle. And then you have a police motorcycle for Prowl. Mm -hmm. And then I think this is really smart of how they got Bumblebee into it is they have this sort of cantankerous uh, Andy Sipowitz sort of NYPD blue detective uh, Captain Fanzone. And he drives around in like a rusty yellow compact car uh, with a little siren that he you know, <laughs> pops on top. And and I guess technically that's an emergency response vehicle and Bumblebee sure. likes the look of it. So he scans it. Uh, yeah. And that's how we get our Bumblebee for this story. And that's how the Autobots are introduced to the city. Awesome. So there, there was there was a couple things I, I wanted to uh, loop back around to kind of, kind of pull on some of that taffy a little bit. Uh, first of all, one of the things that all of my friends have told me, um, and I think you've told me as well, it's like, you know, you're a fan of that Transformers, the movie, that 1986 movie. Um, there's Easter eggs for you. And right off the bat, like right out, as soon as we establish the landscape of Detroit and it, and it's populated by all of these helpful robots that do all kinds of menial tasks. And, the, and this is all in voiceover from Isaac Sumdak, you know, talking about the world of Detroit, the way that it is. And they show the robots doing especially menial tasks like like cleaning up the streets and scrubbing toilets. And I, I think like really trying to establish that 
there's a a a underclass of robots here that I I am sure is going to play out some way uh as 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 the show goes you know uh Michael Andrews you've talked a lot about like secret foreshadowing and yeah. I, I get the feeling this is like not so secret foreshadowing <laughs> I mean like I, yeah. I, I I know there's specific emphasis when you see a robot specifically scrubbing toilets. It's like, you know, they're, they're, that's there for a reason, just to show the 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 uh, menialist of of tasks uh, that these that these robots are doing. But, you know, these robots are coexisting with uh, with humans and, you know, it's not even a blink and you miss it because it, it holds on long enough so that you don't miss it but you see what could be interpreted as uh Spike Witwicky and his wife Carly and their son Daniel and and they are wearing their 2005 yes. space suits and and it's <laughs> awesome I, and it's like oh they put that in there for me right and, right and and that's and, and I I forget who it was sands of time but it was like well you know you know Spike and Carly and Daniel show up right and I'm like what what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, and it's like hidden ways almost. I mean, it's not It's not just like, I mean, you, obviously you saw it and there it was, but yeah. it's not like they're characters in the show. Like there's all these like really hidden, the true meaning of Easter egg, not just like a throwback nostalgia, but just like a little artistic nod to certain things, which are very cool. Yeah, I, I get the feeling if that was in a show made today, those characters would have dialogue and they you would get like a name drop. You know, oh, oh stay sure. close, stay close to me, Daniel. Oh, well, you better stay. And there'd close be a to lot of like nudging and winking, nudging. and they'd cut to like the producer being like, "That's him, that's him." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. But in in our last episode, we we kind of talked about the the trope of Transformers being in stasis to propel the storyline to get to present day. This time, they've done something different because the the what i took away from it is that it's not to get the transformers to present day but to get them to the future i feel like and, and i don't know if it's it's said later on what year this ends up being but i i my weird headcanon that i've developed on my first viewing is that the autobots emerge from the space bridge in present day and then they go into stasis and now it's 50 years later. So now we're in the far flung future. Oh, so maybe like a, like 2057 is maybe. I think so. Kind of what that's, you're feeling? Yeah, that that's, that's my takeaway. I, I, and again, I don't know if there, there's evidence to say otherwise, but. There probably I, is. We're not going to look it up right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It just, it just feels that way. It just yeah. feels like it's the future or I guess now that I'm noodling it through and saying it out loud that. Isaac Sumdak's technology is so advanced that the future of Detroit is as if it were 2057, but it's only 2007 or something right. like yeah, that. Right. Yeah, that so. could be that could be too. And I think uh also while we're talking about this, yeah. it's a very cool, weird, funny vision of the future, right? Cuz there's this sort of like like 
you know, 80s would be on the nose, but there's also like a 70s vibe too. There's just like yeah. a lot of like like rhinestone jumpsuits and like the tinted glasses. It seems like everyone just came from a disco. I I guess I'm maybe saying this from a person that's seen the whole show and seen more uh-huh. side characters, but I don't know if you kind of gleaned that mic, if you kind of got that vibe from it. There's a little bit of that because like we, we see the school kids um, on, on the field drip at, yeah. uh, uh, Sumdac industries and, and yeah, everybody's, everybody's dressed weird. Even, even Sari's dress is, is kind of weird. The fashion is weird. So yeah. in a sense, the stuff that the Witwickies are wearing doesn't seem out of place. So right, I, right. I wonder if they kind of took that inspiration and worked backwards, you know, took like these, everybody these, should have bell bottoms. Exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah, it has like, I mean, like for me, it, it almost felt like a, a Jetsons style future where it's like vintage stylized that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, oh, totally. and, and so while, you know, we, we've discussed uh, Derek J. Wyatt's art direction and design aesthetic and that it's not necessarily my cup of tea. I think, I think the stuff that, that does, win me over is in the other design elements the backgrounds the the lesser robots the the fashion the vehicles um e- even like when we get to it later like the 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 first responders you know the the police the fire department the the, the firefighters looked especially cool the, yeah. those those were some really cool looking firefighters um to the point where i almost want action figures of them i was like no those <laughs> those it's a really cool design yeah. so while while the design of the robots doesn't necessarily resonate with me at this point as uh, as we're recording um it, it's still it's still very cool and very distinctive visually it looks really neat but i i wanted to talk more about the the introduction of Sari and the introduction of adult Isaac Sumdak and, you know, kind of, kind of the world that we're in, because like she's, when we first meet Sari, she's, as you already said, it looks like she's apart from the kids. She doesn't know how to deal with kids. And a lot of it is because she's, she's hyperactive and rambunctious and dare I say a little obnoxious. I, I, I would say, at this point for my early viewing deliberately. So I think she's supposed to be kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, which is kind of okay because I, as for as rowdy as she is and as so in your face, I don't find her off putting. I I'm not like, Oh, you know, get, get, get this kid out of here. Get, get, get this uh wheelie sounding motherfucker out of here. It's like, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have a low opinion of uh sorry at this point. But I also like how she interacts with people like, you know, the, this uh, the, this one shit boy is all like, well, um, hey, man, what's it like living with uh, with robots your entire life? And without missing a beat, you know, she's a quick wit. And like without a beat, she's like, I don't know. What's it like to go to school with other kids? So uh, what's it like to grow up around all these cool robots? I don't know. What's it like to go to school with other kids? I apologize once again for the interruption, but my daughter must return to her studies now. And one of the things that we're going to talk about a lot in this podcast is like little bits of world building that it's like a a glance, a line, but it means so much that that one statement, what, you know, what, what's it like to go to school with other kids says so much about her character and lays so much foundation without having to have like a huge 
exposition dump. It's yeah. it's very um very interesting. Um so and you mentioned the the bug creature uh that develops from these nanobots, these nanomites. I'm not used to seeing uh icky sticky creatures in uh in Transformers <laughs> and and it, it's a it's an upsetting design. This this sluggy thing looks looks gross. This this mutated cockroach. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, sort of like a water bear tardigrade, like, uh, yeah. you know, there's something very grotesque about it that they really leaned into. And I guess that's uh, something we really kind of haven't talked about, but it should be pretty clear that this is a hand-drawn show. This, is, this isn't this is like CGI. This isn't like sort of having to create a character model and stick to it sort of with, you know, virtual puppetry. This mm-hmm. is just a cool mutating gross, you know, specks of it fly off and rejoin, like, this is uh this is this is weird and cool and very wet and very it's wet a, wet and sticky. It's, a, it's a wet creature um the dialogue in this show is is terrific and it's just like you know so isaac sumdak is trying to play it off oh well you know it's just happy accidents you know and you know sometimes that you know it leads to innovation nothing to be concerned about children these happy accidents are often what lead to discovery Mr. Sumdeck, this accident doesn't look too happy. Makes me wonder that what's the backstory with this dude? Because we know a little bit about how he re, uh, reverse engineers Megatron's components, his head specifically, to develop his robots. But I get the feeling this is not the first time he's unleashed a scourge on the city. It's it just because because <laughs> he seems very nonplussed about it. But I love this line from the kid where it's just like th- this accident doesn't look very happy. And it's just just um, whip smart dialogue um, that that I that, that's growing on me that I that I like quite a lot. One thing we have is uh, now we have the established vehicles. I wanted to ask. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because we established in the last episode that your favorite character off the bat um, was uh, Ratchet. Ratchet, correct. And your least favorite was Prowl. Yes. Now seeing them with their vehicle modes, do you have a favorite vehicle mode? Is that changing? Or is something coming alive inside of you that it didn't before now that you see them in their vehicle modes? I, I don't know if I feel any different. Like I, I do like that, that Prowl's design is more tied together. Cause like when we see Captain Fanzone come in and, and he's got like a motorcycle cop near him, like, yeah. like when they think they've destroyed the thing there, there's a specific motorcycle cop that that's, that's amongst the crowd that's cheering. And that looks almost like prowl's design like if prowl was doing like a a hollow former human former type of thing it would look like that guy yeah so spoiler alert oh man (laughs) Uh, just for you we've all seen it (laughs) sometimes i stumble on these things by mistake yeah um uh, yeah, well, no, it's been really fun uh, so far because all the questions you've asked and all the things that you've kind of alluded to or or things that you think are foreshadowing, I can safely say are foreshadowing like you this these things, they do come back to these things. So these questions that you're having now are going to get answered, which is very cool. So that means they're doing a good job uh, yeah, with the absolutely. start of this show. But yeah, I, I love uh, I love Prowl's aesthetic post uh, Earth mode scan. The thing that I like about the 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 um tying theme and i don't know if we've seen this from an autobot team before i love 
that they're all first responder vehicles like together. Like, you yeah. know, we, we, we've had ambulance ratchet. I mean, that that's kind of like his default. You know, Prowl has been a cop car. He's now a highway patrol motorcycle. That That's rad. Uh, Bulkhead is a, is a SWAT vehicle, like you had already said. And Optimus Prime taking a cue from Robots in Disguise 2001. I love the concept of Optimus Prime as a fire truck. Like that, like I don't I don't have a huge amount of uh, nostalgia or affection for RID 2001, but like the one thing that like I remember off put a lot of fans my age at that time. It's like, what is this Optimus Prime as a fire truck bullshit? Get that out of here. <laughs> I was like the one guy where I'm like, "No, that's rad." Yeah. That, that that seems super cool that Optimus Prime basically who is kind of like a a superhero type figure keeping in mind this was 2001 so you know um yeah. 911 was still right. very much in the, in the in the uh forefronts of our consciousness and and the hero worship of firefighters and first responders was and still police. very much yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so to see Optimus Prime, the leader of the Autobots, be a fire truck was a no brainer for me. That always made sense. So I love that we've come back to that here. And I love the team unity that they're all first responders. That's that that's that's something really, really cool. I like that. Yeah, I really like Bulkhead's vehicle mode, the armored SWAT vehicle. One thing I wanted to bring up that's kind of interesting about his design is that his robot mode has uh, tank treads. And those are left over. I'll, I'll have to maybe dig into this a little deeper, but that's either left over from like an earlier concept version of Bulkhead that didn't get used or from like his Cybertronian mode. But yeah, they, the, the tank treads stay on him throughout the series, but his vehicle doesn't have tank treads. I think that's, I always thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. That, now I'm going to have to look for that when I watch the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we meet Captain Fanzone. And I, I love your characterization of him. Uh, you know, very, very much <laughs> Dennis yeah. Franz, Andy Sipowitz, <laughs> yeah. very, very much a, a put upon cop of that era. But you also established that he has this axe to grind, this bias against robots, question mark, mechanics, question mark. It's kind of weirdly ill-defined because like I, I may have, written my note down incorrectly because I wrote down fan zone hates robots, but he's yelling at a giant bug. And, <laughs> but then later on, he says something to the effect like, um, you know, uh, this is why I hate machines. And I'm oh, like, yeah. well, wait a sec. So, I mean, so I, I can get, I hate robots. You know, maybe, maybe it's like an Eddie Valiant thing. Like, you know, Oh, tune killed my brother or something like that. You yeah. know, robot killed my brother or something like that. But like machines and robots are two different things. So does he hate the coffee machine? Is he so grouchy because he has to hand grind his beans and then, <laughs> and then like strain it through the, the, the hot water. Yeah. And he like starts a campfire to, to get the, get the coffee pot boiling. So it percolates and all that stuff. Cause I mean, hand washes his own dishes. Can't have a dishwasher. <laughs> right. a but he also hates that. Cause it's work. I think he, I think it's more accurate to say he just hates everything. Maybe it's not just machines. Maybe it's just, ah, I don't like this. He's very, he's very ratchet. Like in that sense, he, he kind of is. He is, he is a grouch. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of Easter eggs, I love that. Uh, Sorry's robot dog is named Sparkplug. Yeah. 
I th- I thought that was really cool. Uh, nice you get a lot of name drops. Yeah, uh, you know, all all these weird callbacks, you know, that, you know, Teletran 1 is their operating system for their for their spaceship. You get to see the old Sky Spy, you know, and and even then like the the um mechanism that they use to scan, you know, like the the rectangle around the vehicle. Um all all of this G1 stuff. Um yeah. I really liked. But of the G1 homages, that uh really resonated with me more so than anything and it's you, uh, you, you'll discover as you get to know me like the littlest things have the biggest impact like i i just i go disproportionately nuts for like stupid small things but when it's true <laughs> when optimus says transform and roll out autobots transform and roll out i'm just like I, we're home. It, it's, you know, Chewy, we're home. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it just like, I mean, you know, over, over the years there, there's been this uh, perspective by Hasbro to move away from using transform as a verb, basically right. to, I, I think the explanation that, that I've heard is that it, if you use transform as a verb, then it weakens the brand. So any shape changing robot is by mm. default then a transformer because it's transforming the verb. Um, right. Or at least that that was some of the explanation. Maybe in a future That's episode we'll, we'll uh, um, but I think because of that, we've we've seen that classic call to action less and less. In fact, I, I recall specifically in the 2007 live action movie for all of like Peter Cullen's terrific dialogue and line delivery, that was something that was missing. And I remember being a little, a little sore, a little salty about it coming out of the the theater because it's a lot of like, you know, um, Autobots, let's roll. There's a lot of like roll out and you know, like, you know, let's go. But, but it's never the phrase Autobots comma transform and roll out exclamation point. Right. And, and I think that call to action is specifically iconic and it, and it's, it's transportative and nostalgic for, uh, for folks of a certain age. So to hear that line used here in an episode called transform and roll out exclamation point, it's like, Hey, that's the title of the episode. He yeah. said the thing. So, <laughs> so that, that, um, that meant the world to me. And I, I even like that it's established that Optimus does a bit of speechifying and that, you know, even, even this, this crew is kind of tired of it, kind of like a lot of eye rolling. Here we go again. But you, you can see that while um, Optimus is not the leader of the Autobots, he's the leader of these Autobots and they they do rally to him. They, they do understand at least his, his drive and his uh, um, leadership. Yeah. It's so funny to, uh, <clears throat> when I was thinking about this show, I was thinking about like, it'd be really cool to have sort of a, sort of a drinking game esque every time we see an Easter egg, but it's kind of hard to define what an Easter egg is in this show. I mean, uh, is the fact that like the leaders named Optimus, is that like an Easter egg or is that just a character name? Um, you know, 
I, I would think like an Easter egg would be more like a visual cue, but, but then I think of something, you know, an Easter egg, like, uh, mentioning that the Decepticons, you know, they kind of own the power of flight. I think yeah. that's kind of a cool throwback to the original, um, mm-hmm. thing. So, but yeah, it's been kind of tricky, but I, I think it's all there. I think it's, maybe we don't need to make that, that, uh, rigid of a breakdown of like what, what that is. So. That's how I'm going to move forward. Yeah, totally. Um, So when the Autobots reveal themselves, you get this um, of the era 2000 and late anime sequence where, where they, where they're shown like, you know, you got the speed lines and the bright colors. And, and and I I like that. I I appreciate your enthusiasm for it. Um, I liked it. Um, cause I, I thought it was kind of fun. Cause I, 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 I do like that type of thing. Uh, but, um, I hope that this isn't a thing that we do a lot of because, well, l- let me tell you. So like, I, I noped right the hell out of the Unicron trilogy stuff, like Ar- Armada, Energon, Cybertron. And it, it, and it had a lot of that and mm. it's, I don't like it. I mean, it's like, I mean, I'll, I'll just be straight up. It, it's not my favorite trope. It's kind of like, it, it's a thing that calls back more to a younger era. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I would see this a lot in like Pokemon or something like that, especially, especially with, when coupled with the presentation of superpowers. Like, I mean, that, that was the thing that, that I found so off-putting in like Armada and stuff. It'd be like, you know, Optimus Prime, super mode, and, you know, just like, you know, sure. power link and all, 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 all that, all that other stuff. I, I don't care for that a lot. And I feel like it's, especially in a lot of those episodes, it feels like filler. Now here in this specific instance, it, it does feel like there, there's a, a specific reason for it. You know, it's like, you know, they're, they're revealing themselves and it's, you know, it's coming out of earth mode, uh, they're, they're newly scanned earth mode, alt modes and going into robot mode or back and forth or, or wh- whichever it is. I, either way, it's, it's, it's fine here. But I'm going to plant a flag right now. I hope I don't see a whole lot of this. Sure. Well, there's there's a couple of things at play here. But but I guess to alleviate concern a little bit, I, I think it gets gradually less um, that, that we see that. I think this is an important time to establish it because it's the yep. first time they're transforming. Like, let's get that animation out of the way. But yeah, I think we're going to we're going to speed things up a little bit throughout mm-hmm. the show. But I also want to remind you that. You know, unlike the Unicron trilogy, which was actually an anime, this is a show that's sort of like, uh, you know, playing homage to animes where this show shares um, DNA with a show called Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go that you probably never heard of. And also with uh, Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and both of those styles are built around like sort of like... Um, the American version of anime a little bit, or like trying to be like anime without being anime and borrowing some of those tropes and, and almost like winking at them a little bit. So I think, uh, yeah, it's not necessarily filler, but I think they are trying to go for that aesthetic and style of like, this is sort of, uh, you know, uh, a, a style choice to be more like an anime. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to get a little of that. And I, but I think it also, 
this transformation sequence also lended to my, I kind of alluded to in the previous episode that um, I didn't think they could do like toys for this show. I just thought this was going to be a cartoon that either didn't have toys or the toys were going to look nothing like the things because yeah, their, their transformation sequence is almost like um, Tom and Jerry fighting like the mouse and cat scramble in old cartoons yes. where it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 and then it's something or like or like in charlie brown when they make the the nicer christmas tree out of the shitty christmas tree right yeah yeah like a puff of smoke and then you have the you have the thing um so that's that also that transformation sequence i was like oh neat never gonna be a toy from it but yeah there are and they're impressive well and and also to underscore the 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 transformation it's like unlike it, out outside of the the speedline anime sequence yeah again the there's a lot of the, like that that Tasmanian devil spinning yes, uh, yeah. uh, shortcuts type of thing but i i that that was something that was off putting to me at the time gave me the shits and put me off from the show i'm like i don't want to watch this Th- this isn't for me but now though i'm like ah it's fine because it, it's economical you know it's just it's i i don't i don't I don't need to see an intricate transformation every time because you get a lot of transformation here. I love it. I it's in the name. Transformers should yeah. be using their alt modes for transportation, for combat, for tactical advantage. Um, and, and anytime that Transformers forgets that, it just kind of becomes Star Trek sci-fi. You know, it's sci-fi with with robot characters, but right. it's like the the I think the the more brilliant pieces of Transformers media are the ones that can figure out how to do a lot of transforming and creative transformations. And and um, and if the trade off for that is that the 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 animation is in a faster style, that's fine. But the point I was going to end on with the this um, this uh, 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 speed line sequence is that unlike the others it is pretty intricate you you could see parts folding in and out and and um you know puzzle building and things like that so yeah yeah that's and, true maybe i was a little extreme when i'm like it's just like a cat and mouse scrappily i mean yeah you do actually see parts moving and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i still didn't think they were going to be able to mimic that in toy form so yeah. it was still still impressive to me so this giant bug thing has now started to like take human hostages. And yeah. this is kind of like one of our, uh, uh, we're, we're still getting to know sorry. And like, you know, she's, she's screaming her face off. And, uh, but I, I, I love this little bit of character bit where like, she's, she's in peril, actual peril, but then she sees the Autobots. And then just stops screaming and it, this wry smile creeps across her face. She's like, so cool. Yeah. Um, which, which leads to this, uh, this terrific sequence with Bumblebee where he basically uh, rescues her and they, and they have the, have this terrific dialogue. Again, the, the writing and the dialogue in the show, I, I, I'm already in love with it. I, I, I get, I get why people like this, but like, you know, it's like they, they, the transformers don't know, uh, what humans are. The humans don't know what transformers are, <laughs> but they already, they, they have this instant connection and it's like, you know, what's, uh, what's your name? I'm sorry. Well, don't be. I love my name. I'm Bumblebee. I'm sorry. 
Oh, Adobe. I like my name. No, I mean my name is... What are you? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that is such a cool line. Yeah, I that's just... nice. Why is Prowl such a dick? <laughs> so that he can be not a dick later, I think is the answer. He cuts off Bulkhead's hand, though. He, he's oh, like... Yeah. He's, he's like, so so uh, the Transformers are trying to combat this thing. You know, Bulkhead is shown to have like these, these um, I don't know, wrecking ball hands. And he, he shoots the wrecking ball hand at, at the creature and it gets like absorbed and he's stuck. He's like, I don't know what to do. Um, I, 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 I don't think Bulkhead is the, is the um, sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, yeah. But what is the sharpest knife in the drawer is these these wicked uh, shurikens that that, uh, that that Brad has, and and it's just he he's constantly not listening to Optimus. You know, yeah. it's just like, well, hey man, we need to coordinate attacks. He's and and Prowl's always like, fuck that, I'm I'm gonna yeah. do my own thing. And well, that and- moment is so crazy because it's a, it's it's the most it shows Prowl exactly who he is. Like you can't be any more anti-teamwork than cutting off the hand of your teammate to, and then bragging about it. Like you just yeah. uh, save, you save the day with that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe this is where we see him, or at least it's soon after where he, that move causes him to be like absorbed by the, the singularity here, this, this yeah. cockroach singularity, if we want to call it that. Um, you know, and, and then that kind of takes him out of the game. We don't know if he's dead or alive. There is sort of an assumption yeah. that he's dead. And yeah, uh, so maybe that's your that's your uh, that's your nice moment of seeing his dickheadedness kind of turn yeah. into a he gets his comeuppance, I guess. Quote from my notes. Good exclamation point. Fuck that guy. Prowl is a dick. <laughs> I literally wrote that. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you got that. That's a nice moment for you. <laughs> um, you also get like, you know, it, it's interesting. We, we talked so much about Easter eggs, but not only do you get like Transformers Easter eggs, but you get like pop culture Easter eggs too. Did you catch when like Bumblebee makes the jump to the, the creature to implant the antivirus thing? It's it's just the $6 million man sound effect. Yeah, yeah. And I, sometimes I wonder if that's just like, like old school people that are working on the show, just having a little fun and just calling back a little nostalgia to there. Yeah. I mean, maybe I don't think they ever assumed that the people watching that show would get that or like young kids would be like, oh, that's a six million dollar man reference. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good sign of a, um, you know, we, we've taught we've used terms like, you know, timeless, you know, like timeless shows. And it's like those are the ones that were, are rewarding to where, sure, they can be for kids, quote unquote, but adults can get them. And then even like those kids can come back to it after they've experienced the world some. So, you know, somebody who watched, you know, TFA when they were seven probably have a different view of the world when they're when they're 37 and go back and watch it and say, oh, hey, that, that's six million dollar man sound effect. You know, right. that's kind of a neat little Easter egg there. Yeah. Um, well, so, yes. Yeah, that, so, yeah, that oh, moment yeah. where uh, Bumblebee saves sorry, that ultimately kind of like cements their bond, that relationship between Bumblebee and a human. That That's kind of a maybe that's a drink moment, an Easter egg, right? Like mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. the bond between Bumblebee and the humans is stronger. Um, but that mutual curiosity bet- uh, between each other um, gets her a ticket on board the Ark. 
And so he has to keep it a secret from the rest of the crew, but, but he brings her on board and that's how, you know, that's how she gets onto the ship. Yeah. And, and a, in another moment of, you know, the, the Transformers not knowing anything about humans though, but I, I do like the cocksure confidence of Bumblebee though, where he's like, uh, so sorry, asked him as, as they descend into the water, it's like, oh yeah. Hey, uh, can I breathe in here? Yeah, sure. Wait, what's breathe? <laughs> Am I going to be able to breathe down there? Oh, sure. What's breathe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they're the perfect combo, right? Because like yeah. they both want to push the, the, you know, they're both just so curious. They're living for that moment, but neither one of them are really sure. Like, like Bumblebee doesn't know like if she yeah. can live or die and sorry conversely doesn't really care like she's just like let's do this thing we'll think yeah, about that yeah, stuff. Yeah. they're both Han Solo right like they're both yes. just like we'll figure it out later oh man speak of Han Solo he he straight up throws her down the garbage chute yeah that's right that's right <laughs> I mean that's it's the same thing um but I I did I I like that sequence where uh you know, Bumblebee is trying to hide. Sorry. And it's, it's awkward and it's funny, but it's interesting because like Optimus says something like, well, you know, just transform into robot mode. And I don't know if I've seen a dialogue scene like that before, where, where the, what, what is the default mode for a transformer? Is it their vehicle mode? Is it, is it their robot mode? It, it, it seems like it's uncommon for them to interact in vehicle mode to where maybe it's more comfortable for them to be in, uh, in robot form. Yeah. Well, if, uh, if we, since this show itself throws out to other forms of, uh, transformers lore, I guess I want to take a minute to acknowledge, uh, uh, more than meets the eye, the comic series that became lost light. Mm -hmm. Um, they kind of established uh, a little bit that, your your mode like your default mode i guess is whatever you've kind of spent more time in and at the end of your life as a transformer when you die you revert to that mode whatever Mm -hmm. mode you spent the most time in is what your like final resting form will be i think that's kind of a kind of a cool thing that's always kind of stuck with me yeah yeah it's sort of a metaphor for like you know what what type of person were you you finally find out in in death uh who who you really were i've always loved that yeah, that's that's a neat concept, and like you know, the whole uh, concept of like rigor morphous and, and that yeah, kind of thing. yeah, um, very interesting. So you know, so sorry then communes with the Allspark, um, and and yes. you get like, and, and I'm sure this is going to be a a whole lot of like future foreshadowing and stuff, but you can tell that there's some kind of imprinting both ways. Like the Allspark has imprinted on her, but also the human has imprinted on, on the Allspark. Yeah. And I think she even says, did we just have a conversation? Yeah. 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 So they really wanted to make clear that it was a two way street there. Mm -hmm. So her uh, security key card gets uh, transformed into this, uh, into this totem. This, uh, the, um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll just call it the key because, uh, it, that, that's what it seems like. And that's how it gets used. You know, she, she uses it to, uh, save Prowl. She uses it to reactivate Bumblebee later. And then, and then huge spoiler, she uses it to, to revive, uh, Optimus Prime. So, 
Yeah, um, I've this is interesting because I've always maybe I'm going to get some hate mail if hate mail is still a thing about this, but uh, I've always kind of thought this felt like a little bit of a nod to like kiss players like that weird, um, that kind of weird, like we don't really talk about it. Uh, part of transformers lore um, um that's sort of key and that's sort of like that's sort of like her kiss that kind of brings the the yeah. transformers to life i don't know um, it's not exactly the same but i've always kind of wondered if maybe that wasn't a nod to that interesting i mean that that wouldn't honestly that wouldn't surprise me because maybe that's a way to touch on something because we've already we've already established that 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 tfa kind of looks at transformers as like a buffet you know it's like yeah. takes a little bit from here a little bit from there um and and certainly in episodes yet to come you know we'll see a whole lot of that i'm talking like i've seen this yet yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but, but i mean there, there's there's things that i know um that i can't unknow for uh for the for this project like you know certain characters and and uh, uh voice actors and things like that but right. um but anyway, I I just I um I I think that could be something where it's like here's a way we could acknowledge this super obscure thing without really acknowledging it but also kind of acknowledging it. I yeah. I, I don't I don't think you're that far off. Totally, totally. And you know, something that's more that's more important about the key thing and that sorry in general is just that it maybe even more so than other series sort of establishes why this human element is important. Like for better or worse, this artifact has imprinted upon a human and now, you know, you're kind of stuck with her. She has an ability that you don't have that you're going to need. It gives uh, it gives sorry a reason to stick around and have to be part of the Autobots lives from here on out. Yep. I think that's I'm important. I think that's one of the things that people when they when they hate on the human element of Transformers, it's because there's just no real purpose for them to be there. This mm -hmm. is establishing that. There, there is one little bit of uh, progressivism that that I wanted to call out here that that I actually really liked. So, like that at, at one point, I I think it's an optimist, but like somebody refers to uh, Sari as an it, and, and it's and she's like, I'm not an it, I'm a she. Yeah. And 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 in 2007, the the landscape was a little different in terms of like you know preferred pronouns and and whatnot, but um. I, I like that that pays off later when they see what sorry can do. And I think it's bulkhead, but it says, uh, can all she's do that? Yeah. And oh, I that's thought, such a cool I, little, I thought that was a cool line. And again, that that's what I'm really digging about this show so far is like, there are so many callbacks that just bounce back and forth like that. It's like they set up the, well, no, I'm a, she can all she's do that. You know, like that, that immediate payoff uh, type of thing. You know, we, we see, um, we see that a couple different ways with with her crying. You know, it's like where you know she uses, um, uh, you know, uh, oh, you sprung a leak. It's like no, this is oh, this is something I do to to get what I want. But then it pay, <laughs> but then it pays off in a big bad way after Optimus takes the pass. He's super dead, and she's crying. And and Bulkhead's like, I don't think that's gonna work this time. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, just little ways. It's so like, smart. Yeah. Just yeah. actually calling back to what you've established uh, and, and ke keeping track of it as like a cohesive storyline is something that's sort of unique to this series, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, just immediate payoffs and, and to say nothing about the, the future uh, foreshadowing. Um, I, I really liked the, the gag when, when they decide to return to the surface 
and again reveal themselves to now this this growing force you know headed by uh captain fanzone and isaac sumdak uh i i don't know what they were thinking they were going to do whether they were going to go into the water which incidentally right. i i do i do like one i like that the autobots have a uh an undersea base um because that, that that's that's kind of like flipping uh the trope on its ear it's usually yeah. the decepticons that have an undersea base but right. but it's hilarious that it's just a ramp you, yeah. <laughs> you, you just drive up and down yeah. no big deal you guys you just, get how this works right yeah th there's there's just a ramp right off the dock that goes to the bottom of lake erie sure that's fine yeah <laughs> yeah but, so but, right so uh so sorry's uh back they're back on the surface sorry's being returned to her father there's an award ceremony um a couple th this this part of the the story arc here this episode two or whatever we're calling it is sort mm -hmm. of a sort of a weird episode right like it's kind of just like autobots fighting a monster like kaiju style yep. um but but it is important for no it does establish a lot of things we we uh introduce autobots to the world um we we get sorry where she needs to be, um, you know, interacting with the Autobots. And then, and I think the big takeaway from episode two is comes at like the stinger, the last minute when you see that Starstream has survived and, and uh, sets his sights on earth. Um, I think it's interesting too, that now that we're, and then we start moving into this third part of the arc, the episode three, like there's more breathing room between episode two and three than there was between episode one and two like episode yeah. one and two just kind of like flowed right into each other like now it's a battle time um this is like this is a little bit more of a pause now but but it's kind of that moment of like oh right the decepticons we've been fighting this cockroach for so long there's still there's still decepticons out there yeah you still got alum know that that they're um they're out there yeah. and it reminds me of that th th there's this ongoing thread of uh optimus doubting his own heroism because like there here i and i i i don't know if this was intentional or, i mean it was intentional because they invoke it in the next chunk of the episode but like these are basically superheroes you know it's like you know the the transformers are revealed as a superhero team as if they were like the avengers or the justice yeah. league i mean they're, right. they're 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 robots in disguise no more um they right. they're, they're they're they are detroit's superheroes um but there there's this undercurrent of prime doubting that and that goes back to that that dialogue that we see one with sentinel who who is just a jerk uh to uh to optimus right off the bat optimus prime you mean they still let you command other autobots don't start sentinel just put me through to ultra magnus now, how could a third-rate rockbuster possibly merit the Autobot Supreme Commander's attention? Display cargo hold visual. I'll put you through right away. But then, even even then, and you know, there's there's history there. But then, even when he's patched through to Ultra Magnus, and one. I'm sure we'll have we'll talk about this later, but I, I want to spit it out now while it's while it's top of my mind. I love that that the voice acting choice is to sound like Robert Stack. 
that, yeah. that 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 just really warmed my heart because we we've heard a few different it, iterations of Ultra Magnus. So to have him sound like a a Robert Stack sound alike, yeah. I, I I thought that was really nice. But it seems like it's it's like a cool bit of um uh, dialogue, like like uh, Magnus is on Prime's side. You know, it tells him to stay put and wait for backup. But then, but then he he slings, it spits right in his eye, and he says, "Hey, Prime, don't try to be a hero. It's not in your programming." And I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, what did, what did this guy do?" Right, <laughs> I mean, right. it's like, I mean, they really they really kick a lot of shit in Prime's eye. And Prime, don't try to be a hero. It's not in your programming. But where I was going with that is like, um there's this thing where they're being heralded by the humans and, and prime's like, well, wow, th this, this is what this like, Hey, ratchet, this, this is pretty freaking cool. Is, is that what this was like <laughs> back in the day? And, uh, you know, somber grouchy ratchet. He's like, yeah, you know, the Decepticons didn't leave us much to cheer about. And to think ultra Magnus told me not to be a hero. Is this what it was like in your day? The Decepticons didn't leave us very much to cheer about. Yeah, and then you such a great line. Oh, so good. I mean, just uh. like, just like gets right underneath the skin. Um, so we we see Starscream on this ship being by himself. Oh, by myself. Where are the other Decepticons? <laughs> you know, because like, yeah. yeah, it's it's because th that was one little bit that was a little confusing to me too, because like the um what 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 it wasn't it wasn't megatron exploding no it was when the allspark activates the space bridge mm. to to uh for the for the ship to escape so starscream's cruiser gets impacted by that blast and even at that point um he's already by himself so it's like i'm already left with that question of like where did the other decepticons go do they know that megatron is presumed dead um, it almost felt like there was like a missing scene there where, yeah. you know, Black Arachnia, Lugnut and Blisswing are like, oh, Megatron's gone. Let, let, let's get the hell out of here. Um, right. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm not I, I'm not 100 percent on that myself. I can definitely see Starstream coming back and being like, did it? Killed him. Easy. You know, like there's not a chance in hell that he didn't brag about the fact that, you know, he he ended Megatron. So. Well, and he does. He's like, you know, so after after he sees that his device has worked, he he's like, he's like, OK, OK, somber mood, somber mood. And, <laughs> and then and then he's given this, you know, I, I again, I Tom Kenny's a uh, voice delivery. I mean, again, th this 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 is quickly becoming my favorite Starscream where he's just like. Oh yeah, and as we mourn the loss of our mighty dear Megatron, it's and he, and then he's like, you know, I have nominated myself as the new leader, and he's oh, like, yeah. where'd everybody go? This is a dark day in Decepticon history. May the legacy of our fallen leader Megatron live in our memory cores for all eternity. As I appoint myself new leader, I solemnly pledge to... Where's everybody gone? <laughs> right. It's so, it's such a good, like, it's so classic Starstream and classic Transformers trope, and yet new and kind of its own thing. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on it, but it, it it's the same and different at the same time. But I, I, I love that 
you know, th- that's kind of left as a cliffhanger. So as I was watching it on Tubi, that that's where episode two ends is with with Starscream saying like, oh, the Allspark will be mine. And yeah. <laughs> and and so so then the next chunk of it just picks up and, and we're just living on Earth. It, it's just slice of life, life on Earth stuff. You got right. you got bulkheads stuck in traffic. And, yeah. and this guy, he's like, hey, I'll get there faster if I was walking. Right. And, and you know, it's I mean, I I I prefer the the trope of robots in disguise. And I mean, I I, I also like that that's not what we're doing here, that they're just out. Um yeah. it, it it creates different storytelling possibilities, but I also like the idea of the Transformers trying to stay in disguise because like there's a little bit of that because like oh, sure, sure you you get you get bulkhead transforming and walking um instead of sitting in traffic, yeah. but then you also have Ratchet trying to take a nap. So presumably yeah. he's kind of in disguise in ambulance mode. Um you know, he picked the wrong spot, you know, picked a, a no parking zone. Right. Well, yeah, I think, uh, well, I think that seems important for a couple of reasons, but one thing I wanted to touch on was like, mm. uh, there, there does seem to be sort of this unspoken rule, at least unspoken for now that, uh, you know, yeah, it's great. You guys are here, but you can't disrupt our everyday lives. You can't just be popping up in central park. You can't be disrupting our infrastructure. So may, so that's kind of a unique catalyst for their robots in disguise. Yes. We know you alien robots exist, but you're going to need to conform a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that's, that's a great point. And I, I think we're going to see more of that, um, that budding conflict, um, as we go, uh, it's it's a terrific sight gag with all of the tickets on Ratchet and like the one motorcycle cop that looks eerily like Prowl <laughs> um, rolls yeah. up and and slaps that last one and that's that's the last straw. But how much time has passed? You know, what I mean, right? That's like, what I was gonna say. It's also important because it's either a time it shows time has passed, but. But then I was thinking about like, well, is this just like a dick cop that's been coming around every 20 minutes to put another ticket on him? Or right. has he been parked there for several days now? Right. Yeah, it, it could be it could be either. Well, I was wondering a little bit of like, why would a cop give an ambulance a ticket? I was just like, that seems like outside of their I don't know, yeah. jurisdiction. Yeah, exactly. I, I think well, oh, oh no. Not, okay, we're we're gonna get super uh, provocative and political here. Um, so we know Prowl's a dick, right? Right. And he takes on the form of a motorcycle cop or motorcycle, uh, a police motorcycle, highway patrol, and um, we see an actual uh, motorcycle policeman being a dick. All cops are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. I right think, exactly. I think, I think that's the. I think that's the implication there. Uh, like an A cab all the way. It's true. Is it? That means it's a very uh, ahead of its time show. It knew, yes. It knew ahead of time. It was ahead of its time exactly. Before the rest of us. Uh, yeah. But but the whole ratchet thing does bring up a a interesting question. And again, I don't know if it's just for the sight gag, but in TFA, how do transformers recharge? Cause like he says, he says something about like a, a recharge nap or something like that. He says nap, but I think he also says something like, like recharge or yeah. something. So it's like, is, 
energonic concept or it's like you know how 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 do these things recharge because like later on when they get to like their new headquarters this this abandoned um uh office space um bulkhead is is shown to be tired you know it's like yeah. you know he he's he's running low on juice so it's kind of that same thing and he he says something about sleeping i think like like he he wants a nap or something like that so or like right. i need to recharge or something like that so yeah it very early on it kind of establishes that maybe these transformers are a little different than what we're uh, what we see traditionally with like, you know, using energon cubes or, you know, drinking and or eating energon as, as uh, um, recharging yeah. or fuel or powering up. Yeah. Well, it's actually one of my favorite distinctions coming through in the transformer world is like, they're not super advanced computers. They're not like, they're not even as advanced as the computers we have on earth. They are a robotic organism that evolves in a certain way. Um, and you know, yeah, they're going to need to recharge. They are going to have these kind of human traits because they're not, they're not necessarily like a self-repairing self-diagnostic, uh, computer system, right? right? They don't have like this onboard, like uh Tony Stark S technology to like repair and replace and everything. They're, they're, they're still an organism at the end of the day. They just happen to be made of metal and energon instead of blood and bones and skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like that about this show and other another uh series that I've taken that namely Transformers Prime is another one that really kind of hones in on that theme. Uh Yeah, and 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 how it defines mechanical life. You know that these right. while they are not um organisms, they they are living beings, but again, life not in the way that we know it. But yeah. it's um, but yeah, well, there's it, a great there's a great line in Transformers Prime where it says they're they're working on building a motorcycle for a school project. And uh-huh. uh, um, Jack says to RC, like, well, you're a motorcycle. Can't you build this part? And RC says, you know, you're a human. Can you build a low and in, lower intestine? Like mm-hmm. that? That's a great way to figure to kind of make the difference between like, what are these things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean to say nothing about the legislation of whether they are the vehicles or are just mimicking them. Uh, right. We'll, we'll we'll leave that for the comments. Yeah, section. yeah. Right. <laughs> Let the comments section uh, uh, fight it out. But it's also a great transition to kind of keep this going in that um, Optimus uh, and Sorry have this great little moment where they're talking about organics, and Optimus gets like a birds and bees lesson from Sorry about how how big organics make smaller organics and that's one of, that's one of my favorite moments too and this yeah. is like she like leans in and whispers and he's like huh? and he does like the you know, eyes get big take of hearing about it that's well not only do his eyes get big but they they like shudder a little bit like like he yeah. is shook right. like like upset yeah <laughs> and i and i love that it's a you know in other older versions of this cartoon it would be like the like the little kid asking that question and then an adult telling him and now we have like a little kid that maybe you wouldn't even spec doesn't know about this stuff and she's like yeah i'll tell you this is how it works yeah she's no dummy right right um so from there uh you know what what is it the the uh presentation of like this new uh high-speed train monorail type of thing you've got like an aerial display 
and then that's where uh starscream decides to make his uh make his entrance and and this this kicks off a a whole chain of really cool sequences i i love this chunk of the episode because um i i'm always a sucker for aerial combat with uh with starscream taking on human jets that yeah. that's like that's like one of my favorite shots in the 2007 movie is where he's like literally like in robot mode like jumping on the planes and then jumping off flipping into robot mode and shooting down another one and then flipping back it's it's very kinetic you don't i didn't get enough of that here in this sequence it's really uh more robot mode than anything but it but it was still pretty cool and pretty uh fun but i like that you know it's like uh you you get uh isaac uh isaac sumdak who's like wait a sec that's you know the the they're what like the crimson angels or something like that and it's oh, like yeah. well but there's there's six of them i i thought there was five earlier see yeah. and and that and that's where you get into like robots in disguise stuff i i and, and yeah, again, Starscream right. scans a jet, and he's like, "Let's let's do this a little more incognito." But uh, but all the fights are great. You know, the 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 uh, the Prowl Starscream fight is really good. Yeah. The the um, Optimus fight is really good, and um, one of the you know it, it, it's funny. You know, uh, one of the uh, every every version of Optimus Prime seems to uh, action figure wise sorry the the toy of Optimus Prime whether it's masterpiece or mainline or whatever always seems to come with that dumb energon axe that he used in one scene in one episode <laughs> yeah. and and it's like but the thing that i like about um i don't know if there if there was anything before TFA here but establishing an axe as a melee weapon for Optimus Prime and just having that be part of him is really cool. And, you know, cause we, we talked a lot yeah. about when we were talking about Earthspark, you know, his, his use of uh, the axe for uh, tactical advantage. And, and you see a lot of that here. He gets a lot of play about like that, that extendable handle uses it as a pole vault. He, his, his axe is, um a versatile weapon but it's first and foremost a tool it's it when mm -hmm. we're introduced to the axe it's as it's as a tool for uh you know space bridge repair and breaking down rocks and things like that so i like that there's that that blue collarness to to optimus because for for me optimus prime should be like a blue collar dude you know, he's, he's yeah. like a dude that, that is, you know, burdened with the responsibility of, of leadership and is imbued with, you know, great power and all that. But at the end of the day, underneath all that, he's just a dude. Right. And, 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 and again, that, that's why I really like this, this, um, this iteration of Optimus where, you know, he, he's outmatched. Um, I mean, obviously he was outmatched, uh, fighting Megatron, but he's, he's pretty well outmatched against Starscream here also. Right, right. We're not just seeing like an OP, OP, if you will. Uh, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's scrapping with the rest of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really good. I've wrote down melee weapons and circled it about 15 times now. So maybe it's a chance to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I, that's one thing I just really love, love, love about this show is like, uh, not even just melee weapons, but weapons that aren't guns or blasters. Like they all kind of have their own thing. Uh, we're sort of seeing like these, you know, bulkhead with his wrecking balls and uh, mm -hmm. 
even even the stingers that Bumblebee has, that's not like a true like laser gun, you know. Um, so we're all seeing that they sort of have this. And and I will say a little little bit of foreshadowing. There's one of my favorite episodes of all time in this whole show um, is called Auto Boot Camp. And you okay. sort of see this, uh, why this is important, like why each Transformer kind of has their own thing and how it goes to play in their in their society. So um, that's that's something that's going to come back around, which I think is really cool. But I also oh. just like it because it's different than just like give them a blaster, you know, like they're all kind of we're kind of waiting to see what your thing is. Yeah, well, I and uh, future foreshadowing. I'm really excited to to talk about that 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 further because, like, one of my favorite things from the G1 cast, like the '84 '85 cast, is that it, it had an emphasis on superpowers. In addition hmm. to, you know, in in, in addition to, uh, you know, the the ability to transform, you know, it'd be like, you know, Skywarp's teleportation powers, Hound's holograms, Mirage's uh, uh, disappearing act, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, Trailbreaker's force field, and and, we, and we're already seeing a bit of that here with with Ratchet's magnet powers and magnet weapons, yeah, uh, Prowl's decoys. Uh, Bumblebee stingers, which, which again, a lot of this stuff kind of goes back to tools. Like, I don't, I don't know how Prowl's decoy is a tool, but certainly Ratchet's uh, magnetic abilities are, um, and Bumblebee stingers certainly are, because I, again, that's how we see them first used in that, in that first part of that first episode. It's like, I, I, Again, I, I think that's um, I think that's super rad. Yeah. While I say that about their melee weapons, we do. This is kind of the transition in the show where we kind of see what I'm calling Starscream's null rays. Right. Like he is. Yeah. You know, he he brings out the big actual guns. So I guess it's not just all handheld stuff. There is some there is some uh, blaster heavy weaponry going on. But uh, it's the bad guy. It's the bad guy using them, though. Yeah, they're allowed to cheat. Right? See, and and that's <laughs> and there's emphasis on that because everybody, yeah, nobody else has like handheld blasters or handheld guns or, I, I I bet you that's a specific choice because yeah, it makes sense that that Starscream has has guns and and null rays and all that and that you know he he um again top tier Starscream here. It's like, you know, he's threatening humans. He's, he's threatening, um, the other Autobots. And, and this, this sequence here gets into, um, a, a trope that I will never not point out no matter who, what, what the iteration is. Optimus prime always wants to be a martyr and he uh, welcomes the opportunity to die in battle or sacrifice himself for his friends. Yeah. He, he's got a death wish. He, he really needs to talk to somebody because in across all media, Optimus Prime is a little too eager to die, it, it would seem. Because he says something, he's like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm ready to sacrifice my life for, you know, the, the, the Allspark and for these squishy humans and for my friends. And, and it's, while it's noble... It, it seems like he goes there a little too fast for, for my take. Right. I think it's kind of funny. Bring me the Allspark, Autobot scum! My name is Optimus Prime, and I'm prepared to sacrifice my life to defend the Allspark! But are you willing to sacrifice this? <laughs> 
Yeah, and he gets his sure. wish very shortly. So. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Ratchet has a really good line here too, because again, we, we we're hammering on this theme of heroism and Optimus Prime as a, as a doubtful hero. Uh, Ratchet says, you know, heroes are the, are the ones who make hard choices. And so, you know, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're getting, you're getting a lot of wisdom uh, from Ratchet and you, you get this, this kinetic action scene, which is, which is je- again, just, just French kiss, chef's, chef's kiss. So good where like uh Starscream and Optimus are fighting over the Allspark. And then um, something that I, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. So, okay. <laughs> Well, I'll just spit it out first and I'll loop back around to why it's embarrassing. Sure. The Allspark opens, you know, and it opens and and it does something to Starscream. Like if you look at the animation, he gets he gets real pale and he um you you see uh cracks um and he disappears. Oh, and, yeah. and then and then Optimus, on the other hand, you know, uh, falls from a great distance and and uh, um, ha- has a has a very poignant death. And he he turns gray like he does in the movie. And even when he's hanging on the side of the building h- held by his axe, seeing the detail in there, it's like, oh, that's a level of detail that's supposed to be in a movie, you know, because like, you know, in, in the in the, you know, 84, 85 cartoon, they didn't really show that extent of damage you know everybody stayed pretty much on model but like when you get to transformers the movie and you see the toll that his battle with megatron is taken on optimus and and likewise with megatron as well but like to see that like right away to where you could see that that he's messed up i i, I thought that was um I, I thought that was a really nice touch again i thought they did that just for me and, and especially <laughs> well, they did so weird uh yeah i have yeah. it here in my notes that was just for mike cybert says right on tf wiki that's so strange <laughs> uh but but the thing i wanted to talk about before before we get too too much deeper into the optimus death thing and and the and the end of the episode is i i remember when i was a kid and i saw uh transformers the movie and not when, when at at the end of the movie, when Hot Rod has the touch, he's got the power, and he opens the matrix of leadership, and there there's like finger holes in there for him to stick his hands in. I didn't. I'm like, oh my god, there it was finger holes. It was there the whole time. Right. Did no one it, make this connection? <laughs> exactly. And I felt like a seven year old dingaling, and um. And and I felt like a ding dong here because the Allspark has handles on it. You know, right. it's like so and it didn't even occur to me that this thing would open. You know, it's like, you know, because like in, in my my uh virgin viewing of TFA, I don't know if the Matrix is a thing. I don't I you know, I mm. I don't know if there are other totems. Because like I mean, it, it get it gets really ropey in other iterations. Like in that like in that Netflix War for Cybertron, you have both the Allspark and the Matrix, and it gets it gets really it makes it to where neither one is really special if you have both of them. But oh, that's yeah. just me. But but anyway, like it, it didn't even occur to me that even with the design of the Allspark case looks like the matrix you know it's like it, it's orange it's got uh you know it's got off-white silver handles 
it looks like a larger, more portable version of the matrix. And it didn't even occur to me that that thing could open. So when it does, yeah. I, I found myself genuine. I was like, Whoa. I mean, it was right. like a, a genuine action. I was like, wow. And, um, and then to see a portion uh, of its power unleashed. Um, and even then I, I got a little ahead of myself. I don't, I don't understand what Starscream's plan is. It's like, is it, is it just destruction? Um, because like he's using the power of the matrix to just like destroy Detroit. And it, it's weird yeah. for, for as, for as clever and as brilliant, uh, as he is and playing the long game, this feels very short-sighted. Like I get that. Is, is it one of those things where it's like, um, you know, we, we've seen this with Megatron with the Autobot Matrix. It's like, you know, I want it, I want it, I want it. Well, shit, what do I do with it? You yeah, know, I think I it's a little bit of uh, what Mission Impossible 2 calls getting your gun off. Yeah! Like, I think he just, like, grabs it and he's like, oh, yeah, let's just take this for a spin for a minute. And it, this planet's nothing to him, right? What is it? Yeah. A bunch of organics and Autobots? Like, yeah, let's do some damage. Yeah. We're going to test it anywhere. Why not here? I also want to say, too, that AllSpark itself, this might be a really niche reference, mm. but the AllSpark in this show reminds me of, do you remember a sitcom called Out of This World about a girl who was half alien? It's like from the like 80s. Sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, uh, yeah. She talks into like this crystal thing. Uh, and it and it always I don't know maybe I was the only one in the entire world that watched this show, but the the all spark from this from Transformers animated looks like the kind of reminds me of the crystal thing that she talks into. You all right, honey? Dad, I just tried one of the cookies Mom baked for the party. How were they? Oh, it tasted like someone took a ball of dough and rolled it across the gymnasium floor and into a locker room and under a horse. Yep. That's your mother's cookies, all right. Too bad she doesn't have any Zebulon crunchies. What are they? Peanut butter cookies from the planet Zebulon, made by a guy named Amos. Uh-oh, somebody at the door. Be right back. Maybe we can post a picture of her or something and see how many people on Twitter disagree with me. <laughs> uh, I'm sure no one no one on Twitter disagrees with anyone, so oh, I don't sure. have anything to worry about. <laughs> of course. Um... I, I do love and I, I I've talked about this so many times already, but I, I will say it again. I, I love this iteration of Starscream and I just love how impatient he gets with the Autobots. Like he he's he is just like had enough of their shit. I have had enough of toying with you beauty Autobots! <laughs> Spark is mine. And and it he comes across as menacing and scary, which is kind of new and different for Starscream. You know, it's like, you know, he he's usually like a a bumbling fool, you know, like a kind of like the the sniveling conniver, but never really capable. And I just I I love seeing Starscream as a legitimate threat with genuine menace. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Kind of for, again, it's one of those situations where it's the same and different. This is a very different Starscream than we've seen, but there's so many nods to the original Starscream. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, 
it's really striking a nice balance between old and new. So Prime dies, yep. as, as he always does. It, and we it, get the grayed out version of him. Yep. Yeah, so and nice. again, the, the, the detail, you know, just it's 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 terrific. So you get that that callback I mentioned earlier of uh, sorry, crying. And and it's like, nope, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to um, I don't think that's going to work this time. I'm afraid um, his wounds are fatal. <laughs> uh, and. So and and this this is kind of like a weird thing too. So so Sari uses the the all spark key to revive Optimus Prime, kind of in the same way that she used it to uh, wake up Bumblebee and to uh, repair Ratchet. It makes me wonder what the limitations are. To where I mean, mm. like Optimus is super dead. He's like actually dead. Yeah. Um. But I, I, do, I do, I do like though, where he, uh, when, when he's revived, he's like, so, Hey, is that, is this it? Is this the well of all sparks? And it's like, right. no, it's, 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 it's just, it's just, it's just Detroit. <laughs> is this the well of all sparks? <laughs> no, it's Detroit. Hey. I thought you only did that leaking thing when you're sad. <laughs> you guys have so much to learn about humans. It, yeah, right. It, and, it, and it's a little bit of funny, but it's also that optimist of like, I've finally gone to the other, like the, the sort of self-sacrificing. Like it's kind of mm -hmm. a nice play on that yeah. optimist that kind of always wants to die uh, for the cause. Mm -hmm. Like, nope, you're still here, bud. <laughs> and, and like we touched on earlier, you know, Prowl learns a lesson. You know, he's just like, oh, yes. wow, he he sacrificed everything. Um, uh, right. For That's us. what real heroism is, not what you've been doing, which is, you know, showing off, basically. And and you get um, yeah, you get jumping around all over the place here. But like, you know, you get some some really good, genuine teamwork as as they're uh, fighting against Starscream. Uh, there, there was a couple things that I um, that I missed earlier that I want that I want to touch back on uh, real quick before we close out, because yeah. uh, we're almost done with the episode. But like I, I want I want to go back to uh, Captain Fanzone. He, he says like this thing about like, I hate machines, like as as he's being rescued uh, by Prowl and Bumblebee. And th there, there's this line uh, right before uh, they go to rescue the humans off the train. It's like, well, hey, so so what do we do? Catch it on the first bounce? <laughs> right. like, like that's dark. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is that is surprisingly dark. But one of the things that that I I skipped over, it's just a, just a dumb thing. But like you know, so Starscream has given the um the Autobots a ultimatum. It's just like, okay, well you got like, you know, one mega cycle or, or whatever, yeah. whatever the measurement of time is. Um, but like the whole time he's just flying around this, this tower. I don't know if you noticed it or not during your most recent viewing, but he's just constantly just flying in a circle. It's like, and, and going very fast. Also, it's like you getting dizzy up there. Cause like, yeah. it was just, it was just, it was just this weird looped bit of animation where it's just as the Autobots are planning and, and talking and talking about like their coordinated attacks, 
Starscream is just zipping around this this tower like top speed. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. I do like the idea that he's just if it were slower, if he were just like up there, just like being spooky. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if maybe they just were like, ah, we only got a couple minutes left. Make it make him whip around yeah. it really quick. I, I am remembering that, right? He, he is going at a pretty good clip there. Right? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. So the humans are saved. Evil is defeated. But the thing this. This cemented for me that that this this is going to be a show for me because i mean again i i've i've laid all this groundwork i've said all this already about like how everything pays off nothing is wasted even for stuff i don't even know what the references are yet the the future foreshadowing but the thing that i thought was the goddamn coolest is you know so it's the the narration from the news reporter it's like oh hey you know so the autobots are here to stay and they're here to help and you know the 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 city is being repaired and uh it's the scene of uh bumblebee and i think it's bulkhead um but he he says something like you know hey we're uh we're back to fixing bridges right where we started as detroit recovers from this devastating clash of the titans the autobots prove themselves even greater heroes than first imagined not only saving the city and perhaps the world from the decepticon menace but repairing damaged structures and damaged lives with their reassuring presence fixing bridges isn't this where we started out yeah and i just i just thought that that was again nothing's wasted so they started off as a space bridge repair crew and now they're in their new home in future detroit back to fixing bridges and i just like again like that little stuff means a lot to me and i just i just really really yeah well i think it's important because it's you know it's sort of establishing like these writers know where they're going with this this isn't just like we got to sell some toys kind of a thing like they do have a larger story in mind and they do know where it's going we can trust them now we can we we can we can trust that they are going to um uh build upon the things the foundation that they're laying here Mm-hmm. So that that is kind of a nice uh, breath of fresh air coming out of a cartoon series. Very much so. I mean, everything feels deliberate and nothing feels wasted. Um, I I get why people like this and I, I am excited to go on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's, uh, you know, before we close out of it, let's talk about the stinger where we see uh, Isaac Sumdeck in his in his lab watching news coverage, lamenting the truth of my robotics empire. But but really we see Megatron's head and the, and the, you know, the sort of like Terminator esque exposed eye. Like that's so cool. And it's like, Oh, cause you know, I mean, I think we're talking about now with a sense of knowledge about what's to come, but, but we've, you know, when watching it the first time, it's sort of implying like um, maybe he just got the idea for robots because he saw that head in the cornfield. But now we know for sure he like reverse engineered and, and, Megatron is still around in some form. This isn't just like a piece of scrapped junk. Like uh, this is all Cybertronian technology now. Yeah. And, and Megatron in some form is still alive. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And, and I'm sure uh, again, you know, forward foreshadowing. I don't think he's going to be very happy once he finds himself released from, uh, from bondage. Um, I don't know how that happens. So I, uh, and again, just, uh, you know, as, as a weird reset. Um, so now at this point I have seen transform and roll out exclamation point. And I did, we did jump ahead and I watched the, the Halloween episode, episode nine or, oh, or right. at least 
Yeah. So, um, but that's all I've seen. It's like, so there, there are some things that I know through kind of like cultural osmosis. Like I, I know that the, that the climactic battle between Megatron and Optimus Prime is kind of like the, the, the sort of climax of the series. I, I know that there's more to sorry Sumdak than, than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know exactly what, and I don't have the context for it. So, um, yeah. So I'll be oh, there's so much, there's so much more coming. That's, I, that's something that's been fun. Kind of just talking about this project of, you know, there was moments where I was like, Oh, I've seen this a billion times. Um, but now that I'm back into it, like, I'm like, Oh, there's so much more. There's so many episodes I'm looking forward to seeing again. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be really, really fun for me. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure like, not, not leading the witness, but I'm sure some of your pleasure is going to be watching me squirm on like some of this stuff that like, <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. that I don't. And, yeah, and I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to look ahead. I'm going to, you know, try to stay off the TF wiki and, and, um, and all that. And, you know, try to, try to keep my reactions as, as pure as possible. So like for, for my workflow, what I, what I'll do is I, I, I sit down and watch the episode just once straight through and just let it wash over me. Then I watch it again with a more critical eye, um, you know, maybe take some notes. And then the third time through, um, if I have time, I'll just sit there and just just hastily scribble stuff out, and then yeah. um, and, and then and then come to the table, uh, ready to talk. So that's that, that yeah. that's been in my workflow. So, but well, um, I love that, and I think it's important to establish at this point that you know if you're looking for a show that's going to just regurgitate TF Wiki, and you know just sort of give you like a commentary track to to watch the stuff. That's not exactly what we're doing here. We're we're kind of. We're kind of looking at it with uh, a fresh eye in your case and a refresh eye for me and, mm-hmm. and just looking at some of the bigger picture kind of, you know, giving it sort of like a book report or giving it like a little bit of an analysis uh, of, of the whole. Um, and I think that's uh, that's what's going to be kind of nice and refreshing about this this particular show. Absolutely. And I and just for my own amusement, I do have the TF Wiki up for uh, transform and roll out. Well, and, and it's, uh, it is so exhaustive and comprehensive that, I mean, cause like it, it's talking about, you know, uh, the trivia continuity errors and anima- animation glitches, um, callbacks references, and it's just too exhaustive. So, yeah. you know, um, even, even if we wanted to, even if I wanted to, that's not how we're going to run the show. And I, and I hope this style of analysis is is appealing uh to folks because that's that's what it's going to be you know it's like sure sure we'll make jokes and references but um i i'm not i'm not particularly funny (laughs) i mean my friends think i'm funny (laughs) but uh but yeah it's not it's it's not necessarily like a comedy forward show it's just kind of like a a nostalgia analysis type of show well i'm pretty funny so it's gonna be a little comedy forward let's be honest this is true (laughs) but yeah i think that's i think that's uh, a great way to take it and i think but along with that you should definitely feel free to to reach out to us reach out to the Mm -hmm. show and 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 tell us those things we missed or if you know a little bit of an easter egg that we looked over we want to know about it. We don't want to. We don't want to read paragraph and paragraph on the TF Wiki about what we're watching. But but uh, we're open to some some commentary on it for sure. 
Well, yeah, and and so l- let's talk about that a little bit as we transition into uh, uh, hopes and dreams for the show, and then kind of kind of put a button on this uh, um, this uh, this adventure. One one of the things that Michael Andrews told me back when we were brainstorming this this episode, I, I mean th- this podcast in its infancy, was that he wanted something with a lean towards audience participation. You know, it's it's like you know we're we're great buds. We we love chatting and and but we also want to include our friends and and include the the um uh, the community, the Transformers fandom. So so there's a handful of ways um that that you'll be able to interact with us. Um uh, all of this will be at the end of the episode. But like information about uh, social media, you know, we'll we'll have uh separate two mics, two furious um accounts for you to interact with. Uh, we're also going to have a a voice mail um uh set up um to where you know you could just be baboop call and and you know leave feedback about the episodes or um or really anything that that you would like us to play on the air we will play your voicemails on the air give you shout outs read your emails read your tweets um so you can interact with us that way um also we we I think at this point already have friends that are they're calling shots for episodes they would like to be a part of. So if there are specific episodes of Transformers Animated that you would like to join us to talk about um, specifically, you know, hit us up on those uh, socials and, and communication platforms and, and let us know, and we'll uh, we'll 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 figure out the logistics and scheduling and and get that squared away. Also, as a treat for later on, maybe like mid-season, maybe end of season, we're not exactly sure yet, but but we're going to be doing uh, some live streams as well with uh, with a larger group of friends, kind of talking about uh, Transformers Animated as a as a larger, rowdier group, very similar to the Transformers Earth Spark episode of Mike Cybert Radio um, that you can find on my channels. But basically. I, I feel like I'm talking about you as if you're not here because I was going to say, well, Michael Andrews said he kind of wanted like the, the friend's coffee shop type of aesthetic. Yeah. But yeah, but can yeah. you unmute me, Mike, so I can continue <laughs> talking on this? <laughs> yeah. No, but you're you're exactly right. Uh, I definitely wanted it to be something where we can reach out to other people. And we have this great little group of friends that we can uh, call on for for some roundtable action. And I think uh, for getting into our hopes and dreams a little bit for the show, um, that's one thing. I really hope to happen here. Like one thing I, I just, uh, I need this to reinvigorate my love of transformers. Like, um, it, it's just kind of been a weird time in my life and I've, you know, distanced myself a little bit from transformers, but I'm, I want to jump back in. Um, I want to, I want to feel excited about transformers again, and I'm hoping this is the way to do it. But along with that, I also want to meet some other people in the fandom. You know, I follow all these accounts and, uh, I follow along with, you know, quote unquote, Transformers influencers. I want to I want to meet some of them. I want to meet some like minded fans and I'm hoping I get to talk to them, get some new friends out of this deal. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. So and and for me, like in terms of like, you know, uh, hopes and dreams for this uh, um, for this podcast, I, I'm looking to connect with uh, perhaps a larger audience or a different audience like you know w- the stuff i've been doing with my podcast mike cybert radio is you know i i do a lot of interviews with independent artists i also do a lot of like movie reviews it, it's a it's a very eclectic pastiche of a podcast it's not it's not really any one thing other than you know pop culture bend uh, to it, you know, sometimes it's me talking about toys. Sometimes it's me talking about movies. Uh, other times it's stuff like this, like this style of, you know, back and forth 
uh, conversations is what I live for. I mean, it's like, I, I, I like talking with an audience, but I, I love talking with my friends. And so totally. I, I'm just, I'm just looking to do more of that. So that's, that, that's, and, and, and for me creatively to have a focus because Mike Seibert radio is many things to many people, but one thing it is not is focused. And, and, th and that's the charm and appeal of it is that, you know, I could just, I could just do whatever the hell I want. Uh, but this, you know, we, it's, it's, it's going to be fun for me creatively to have something with a, a narrow specific focus. And um, yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm, I'm uh, really excited about that. So before I turn it back to Michael Andrews to talk about the cool stuff that he's working on, you know, I, I talked about myself a little bit. I, I, you know, I talked about, you know, my, my podcast, Mike Cyber Radio, which you can listen to everywhere you're listening to Two Mike's Too Furious and on all of your favorite uh, podcast apps. Um, but speaking of having uh, all kinds of other projects, and I, I promised before we started recording, I wasn't going to make you do this in every single episode we do. Do. But Michael Andrews, you you um, you are an author. You have a series of books. You got all kinds of cool stuff going down. Um, so for folks that are joining us here for the first time, uh, maybe talk about some of the the other projects you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm a bit of an author. I have a few books out there, uh, notably Coming of Mage and the sequel A War for the Mages. Um, my most recent book is called Gone for a Spell. Um, it's not connected to the the mage verse, if you will. Um, it's kind of a standalone thing for now. So, uh, yeah, and I'm working on a book. I'm always working on another book. So we'll see what comes next. Um, but that's kind of my claim to fame. If anything, uh, I'm, I'm just mostly just a huge Transformers fan. And uh, I, I love I love talking about it. I love doing talking as Rose from Last Jedi would say. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just here to rumble Transformers wise. Very cool. And if folks wanted to find your stuff on the internets and connect with you on the social medias, how would they do so? Yeah, pretty much everywhere, but I'm especially active on Twitter at uh, Michael Andrews and Michael is spelled M-I-K-E-L. Nice and weird. So. <laughs> which is how we like it and yeah. you can and you can get the coming of mage saga out on the on the amazons along with uh, gone for a spell is that correct yep absolutely check out amazon uh search my name search the title search for something you'll come across it or just look for my links i link it everywhere i i'm still a little sore that you didn't call a war for the mages too mage too furious i mean it was right there Oh, jeez. Well, I knew we were saving that for this project. So how could I <laughs> how could I steal that glorious title from this? Oh, my God. They were kind of percolating at the same time, weren't they? <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. I was like, that damn it, so if funny. Mike Seibert ever does something with this, I don't want to have the same title for my book. <laughs> And and uh, uh, by all the chuckling you can hear, we are not furious at all. But right, um, right. we're kind of furious, and hopefully, not hopefully, but maybe we'll be furious later. Maybe that <laughs> that name will come to fruition. Who knows? You might be exactly. listening to the end of our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Who no. knows where it could go? <laughs> well, I think for now that that will uh, uh, wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for for hanging out with us and for giving us a shot. And again, uh, keep listening for all of the two mics, two furious, two social medias, or no, that doesn't work. Uh, but no, just uh, uh, listen at the end of the episode for all of our contact info and, uh, and please keep in touch. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely. And thanks for being my friend. And until next time, make good choices.
And another catchphrase to be inserted here. It'll come to you. It'll it'll happen. It'll it'll come. (laughs) Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to Mike's Too Furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mikes Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mikes Too Furious. And raise your voice. Leave us a voicemail message at 260-274-MIKE. Again, that's 260-274-6453. talk to us or used to talk to us oh okay i'm feeling a little salty guys okay yeah well i mean you remember we made like a light little joke at the fact that you know so many i made you made something well (laughs) (laughs) put it back on me uh i don't think i was the only one that said that the you know we were talking about how when you got people whose names sound similar and yeah oh yeah you you know what around and I take I take responsibility for some of this. Yes, I <laughs> okay. I am totally blameless. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, and we we suggested, you know, jokingly that you know one of the mics in we've our got, lives. We've is, got a Mike Seibert and uh-huh. we got a Mike, and Mike Andrews. Andrews. Yeah, and we talk about how those guys we get. Um, it's confusing. We got to dump one of them. So right. one of our uh, little comebacks that we thought was so witty was like, "Well, I, there's only room for one mic." Mm-hmm. To which they. Uh, decided to say that they're going to just start their own podcast. That's right. So we playfully suggested that maybe uh, only one mic in our lives. They, they've taken it, in my opinion, too far. And on Twitter, <laughs> they're conspiring against us because they, they claim we don't have the hardware for it. They came up with several uh, names, uh, Two Mics Too Furious, uh, <laughs> Two Mics No Feedback, I'm sure a reference to our questionable quality of our audio. And you know what? I've had enough. Okay. I've had enough of this. And so I'm going to take the opportunity to um, lay down the law right now. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. This has been a real Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds back and forth we've oh, got yeah. going with the mics here. It's it's a, it's a celebrity face-off. I'm really not sure what's about to happen. I uh, Well, I, you're going to find out what's happened. Caleb? Drop the beat. What? This is a shout out to all those podcasters and writers out there who think they can talk shit about the APDC. Here we go. From the darkest depths of time comes the bombs of the alarm. Cause real shit's going on, it's the APDC. 
coming at you, gonna catch you, brain splatcher on the wind. Shield, no force field, will protect you from the verbal laser cannon, the lyrical dragon. Skills as big as wells as he swells into a horn planet. God damn it, I heard you said we took a trip to the burn ward. My god. Silly Seattle light and a bloated Minnesota Thought they had the oats to wrap their coats around our throats Well that's not happening, keep napping it Cause it's a dream to think you see the APD bloodstream Coming of age, you'll see me coming with rage As I split your basilisk bits with the twist of my wrist I'll take all your jams, I'll take all your M's, ma I'll show you who's hard and I'll show you fucking where Two mics, two furious with blood clots in your hair I swear, Mike and Mike more like Mike and Ike with your candy-ass style and your artificial flavors. It's a favor to drown you out. No lifesavers. You sign the waivers. Call the engravers. You think you can take us on? That's like Weedly trying to bomb a whole squad of Septicons. Like Swerve getting stomped by the claws of Triptychon. Like Magnus getting courted by the suits on Chunky on. Must I go on? That's right. This goes out to all those podcasters pushing beef. Whether you at the lake house or the coffee shop, when you come... You better come correct, because it's a fucking mic drop. Oh! It really falls apart at the end. I didn't get to practice the end as much. That was good. That was amazing. That was a lot better than I thought it would be. You thought that was... Your, your lyrics were on point, dude. Coming of mage, coming with rage. That's right. That's awesome. I think my first, my favorite line is skills as big as wells as he swells into a planet. That's pretty good. I liked the part about taking M. <laughs> that was a nice little uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the the three people in the room who could get <laughs> the joke. Well, Michael, both Mike's will get it.